Okay, welcome back to the United Pubcast. And while it is the international break and the boredom that comes with another international break, it is good news because Ronaldo's 12-year loan deal at um, Real Madrid and Juventus looks like it is coming to an end and he's returning to Old Trafford. Larry, did you hear the good news? Did I hear the good news? Tom, are you serious? I already went to the shop. I've got the Ronaldo print number seven. It's ready to go. Um... I mean, is there really anything else to add? Like, do we even need to read into the speculation? It's happening, right? Yeah, well, I've heard Cavani's um, not happy with having to give up the number seven shirt, but I think we can all agree. Um, even if he does win the Golden Boot this season, everyone will be um, ripping the number seven shirt off him to give it back to Ronaldo. But we'll get into it, and we will discuss it. And look, we will start this podcast by saying we know what this is. We know it is the start of the international break. There is no football. It is simple, lazy, not even lazy journalism. It works for them. It gets clicks, it gets us talking about it. But we know there's nothing in it. We know it is just about creating a headline. Okay, however, we're fans and we buy into it. We're gullible as anything and we will try and see the positive in it and look for some type of angle. And there are a few interesting angles which we may be deluded in our thinking, but we can make sense of this and why it potentially could happen. Are you with me, Larry? You ready for this little bit of a um, positive vibe? Yeah, mate, please, feed me the steak. Okay, well, first of all, I don't know what his current situation... I think he has one more year on his contract in Juventus. So it's one of those things. I remember when he left Real Madrid for Juventus, I think the transfer fee wasn't too bad. I think it was maybe around the sort of 100, which is a lot of money. But when you think about the player he is, obviously his age and uh, wages did come into it. So the transfer fee would not really be a problem for a player like Ronaldo. I assume if we would have gone to buy him this season, you would assume it would probably be, I don't know, maybe a 60, 70 million, which is change. It's just pennies for United. So I don't think there would be an issue with the transfer fee. The wages would be uh, an issue because I think he's on potentially maybe close to, I don't know, seven, £800,000 a week when you look at it in terms of the whole package that he would bring. But do you think there is a, and we'll get into the ins and outs, but do you think there is any possibility of it actually happening or do you think it's just completely it's impossible it's not impossible um and i think whenever there's an opportunity to get a marketable player particularly that of cristiano ronaldo's caliber i think there's no disagreement to say he's the most popular footballer on the planet i think manchester united will always be in the conversation in terms of what united are trying to do we just spent the summer haggling for a 20-year-old Jaden Sancho, and you'd like to think if United really wanted to get this deal done, it's probably one that they would have pursued in the summer that just passed. I know that, obviously, there were links with Sancho, and then you, know, then you also look at the dynamic of the team, and you say, well, Cavani did come in. So if United really did want that profile of a striker, they would have gotten him in last summer. Look, I don't think it's impossible. I think if Ronaldo does have an interest and Juventus are willing to sell, which it appears they are, from a financial perspective, if nothing else, I think United would ask the question. But if you look at what United are trying to do, we've obviously under Solskjaer, we've gone with a younger squad and it's one of the younger squads in the Premier League, in fact. And you look at the dynamic of the team. You've got Martial up front, Cavani as a backup. And is it Cavani's got a one-year or two-year deal? It's a permanent one-year deal with the extent, with the option for the club to extend for a second year. So I think, yeah, if the situation arose where Ronaldo became a possibility and you think, well, hang on, we just got Cavani, doesn't make sense. I think given that situation, the club, no matter how good Cavani does in this first season, I think the club would obviously cut ties there with Cavani. 
And that's the key there. So that's where I'm leaning towards it's possible. But if you're asking me as a betting man, Ronaldo coming back, I'm going to say I think it's quite unlikely. You say that, and look, I completely agree, but you say that it wouldn't quite make sense in terms of what Solskjaer and the club have been looking to do over the last couple of seasons. They haven't done it, quite, they haven't done it well enough, but you can definitely tell there is some type of plan under Solskjaer. And especially you look at that Jaden Sancho deal, as, as big a mess as it was, that is the profile of player Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wants, and Cristiano Ronaldo is the exact opposite to Jaden Sancho in terms of a profile, in terms of the young up-and-coming player, Ronaldo, obviously, at the end of his career. But do you think, and again, we know Messi and Ronaldo are on a different planet, so different rules do apply for them, but is there a case, regardless of United structure, if Ronaldo is a possibility, you put the structure to the side, or is the structure more important than any individual, even if that individual is Cristiano Ronaldo? I think it will just cause a lot of unrest in the dressing room. There's a few missing. There's a few moving pieces here. I think if Pogba leaves, which I'd say is quite likely, I think you can then bring in a Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, but in saying that, if Pogba were to remain, then obviously you can't have those two sort of egos in the dressing room. Well, I don't think it would be the worst idea if Ronaldo came in. If you look at what we have up front, and particularly with you know we don't know what happens with Cavani. Martial, as as much as I like him, and you know I like him a lot, I just don't think he's a pure number nine. I think what you get with Ronaldo, he definitely does make the players around him better. And I think if you put the pace around him with a Rashford and you do compliment uh, you know, Ronaldo on the right-hand side with some pace, some level of quality, I think, look, no doubt, he's a, still one of the best players in the world at his age. Well, but you just mentioned I just, and we, yeah. we all sit here and we play FIFA and we play Football Manager and we have all these deals. Okay, this player goes there for that amount. We can get that player for that amount. And that's not how football works. However, we have seen a shift in the transfer market and the way clubs do look at sort of possibilities in the transfer market. We saw it with Sanchez and Mkhitaryan. There was an old-fashioned, pretty much an old-fashioned swap deal. And they don't often happen, but they're starting to creep into the game a little bit. And... Paul Pogba's situation is obviously up in the air. It does look like his future lies away from Old Trafford. If I was a betting man, I'd say it leans towards Real Madrid, but the obvious other option is obviously Juventus. Do you think it's too simple to draw that Pogba, Juve, Ronaldo sort of trio? Or is that is that a possibility where clubs would potentially look at, even on Juventus' side, if Pogba's their number one target? And geez, we can get Pogba if we offload, offload Ronaldo. I'd say it's possible because in this COVID environment, I think clubs will look to avoid spending money as much as possible. So if there was a scenario where it's a, you know, this player complements our squad and vice versa, it's possible. Um, And particularly when you look at the wages that both players would demand, Pogba definitely looking for an increase. I don't know in Ronaldo's case, at least looking to maintain what he's on. So it could be something that both clubs could look at and maybe it does move Pogba towards Turin. Um, but again, I think swap deals are quite complicated and different to the Mkhitaryan Sanchez scenario. But nothing's impossible. We've seen it. You know, um, it can be done. Well, you just mentioned there Ronaldo's wages, and just before we move on, just one more point on um, the Ronaldo situation. We discussed here as United fans and United's point of view. We haven't looked at it from Ronaldo's point of view. I think the first thing in this scenario is we have to be in the Champions League. Um, he's not going to come to United in the Europa League or without European football. So a lot of people have sort of questioned what is Ronaldo's next step. He's done it in England, he's done it in Spain, done it in Italy. Everyone said, well, could he go? He's, I, you can't see him really going to Bayern Munich. A lot of people have suggested maybe move to PSG. You could see that one happening. And the other option is a lot of people saying, well, he, he'll be the one to go to America. 
there's just something about me which I can't see him doing that American move. I just think there's some. I wouldn't. I'm not not saying it's not a professional setup over in America. Of course it is, but I just think Ronaldo is almost too driven to. I don't want to say disrespectfully lower himself to that standard, but I think Ronaldo just has that desire to be in the elite competition, and that's where I say if he is going to leave, I think he does stay in Europe, and the options there are probably PSG and Man United. And that's the thing. I think if you were a betting man, you'd say PSG is more likely, but United isn't the craziest idea in the world. And if you look at who could actually afford his wages, PSG and United are probably the only two clubs in Europe that could really offer him that level of deal. So, look, I think you could definitely make a case to say, does it make United a stronger side? Yes. Is he the sort of player and profile that Woodward and the Glazers would like? Absolutely. You'll make the money back on the the shirt sales alone. But does it work towards what United have been going for in the last two years of that youthful exuberance and players that can improve the squad and stay and grow together for the next five to ten years? Look, I think Ronaldo's probably got two years at best at that elite level. Um, so, look, I'd love to see it happen. I'm not going to lie, but... We'll just have to wait and see, Tom. I guess the little kid inside is hoping, just quietly. Well, you just said just one last thing before we move on, which we haven't discussed. And I think, look, you, you, if you're looking at it holistically, you'd probably say it wouldn't have any influence. But I think knowing Woodward and knowing the club, I think it definitely would have an influence. Do you think a potential move by Lionel Messi to Man City would sort of put United in a position to say, Jesus Christ, they've just got Lionel Messi. We have to make a move. And do you think that could maybe change United's approach? I really do, because you know the way our port work. I don't think there's any sort of long-term structure, and I think if you're only going to Solskjaer or Pochettino or whoever the manager is, would you like one of the best strikers in world football and Cristiano Ronaldo? You're not going to turn down that option, and just think what it would do for the Premier League. I mean, forget United and City. To see Ronaldo and Messi again and in the most popular football competition in the world, sign me up, mate. I'd be all for it, and... Look, you can make your case and, you know, right or wrong for if it's the sort of deal United should do. But I think if City did get Messi, I would love the prospect of Ronaldo versus Messi, Manchester derby. Oh, you, you, I've seen all the memes going up, like sort of like the Netflix memes, like comparing it to Michael Jordan and the last dance. It would be an unbelievable story. Again, we sit here a little bit tongue-in-cheek discussing that Ronaldo situation because I think we all know what it is. First couple of days of the international in, international break, we do need something to talk about. And here we are, the journalists have got us hook, line and sinker. But um, join us next week for when we're discussing Ronaldo and his shirt number again. But we'll move on to the player who I think does truly have the potential to get into that bracket. Um, he, and a lot of things need to go his way. He needs to develop the correct way. He needs a lot of luck. But, and that will obviously come with time. But he is in the headlines, sadly. Look, I don't think through any fault of his own, but sadly through... Um, he is in the media spotlight for a, sort of negative reasons. Mason Greenwood. We'll just touch on his situation a little bit because look at last season. He, his last season it was so underrated. He got a lot of plaudits, obviously, because he performed so well. But when you actually look at his numbers, for that to be he's pretty much his... Well, obviously, his first season in senior football... Talk about bursting onto the scene and pretty much going under the radar. He was fantastic last season. 17 goals as an 18-year-old. Unheard of. And if you actually have to think about it, up until maybe January, he barely played any football, Tom. He was brought in and out and 
So to, to finish the season the way he did, with the record he did, phenomenal achievement. Well, he has come on, and when he's played this this season, I think he's come on and done quite well. He's been good. He's quite. He doesn't have that sort of. He hasn't burst onto the scene with like hat tricks or anything, but he, he's done his job well, and he's starting to fill out a little bit. He's starting to look a little bit bigger, but the goals haven't quite been there, and yeah, he hasn't sort of lit the place up. Where that's quite common for a young player, that almost that second season syndrome. So the media obviously have built him up over the last sort of eighteen months, and now he's on a pedestal where they are looking to maybe knock him down. And I feel I'll just get your take on it. The the English press always have a target. And for years, it was Raheem Sterling, and wrongly so. There was definite sort of racial undertones in a lot of their reporting and a lot of their agendas against Raheem Sterling. Um, that was rightly called out by everyone, and they obviously had to rightly stopped the targeting uh, Raheem Sterling. So that has gone to the side. Marcus Rashford was the pin-up boy and started to get a little bit of criticism here or there, but obviously no one can touch Marcus Rashford at the moment. The guy's a saint. He's potentially the next Prime Minister of England, so he's untouchable by the English press. The next young black English footballer who, look, he's better than, or potentially better than Marcus Rashford and Raheem Sterling is obviously Mason Greenwood. And do you feel there is a, and look, we might have, tell me if I've got a tinfoil hat on or not, but do you think there is starting to be that agenda against Mason Greenwood as the someone the media is going to try and take down? I f- sadly feel like it is. Um, and the only reason I say that, and... Look, we can speculate. I think there is a racial undertone to this. And I only say that because ever since the incident with Phil Foden, you've barely heard a word mentioned about the Manchester City player. But since, but Mason, it's just he's got an attitude problem. He's mistraining. He's unwell. Uh, there's concerns at the club about his attitude. Like, I just think it's absolutely ridiculous. And he's just turned 19. And I can't believe the amount of grief he's getting. And so you got to think, I, I just really hope that he's got a wonderful support network around him, good family, good friends, and I hope the club and Oli are giving him all the support he needs to ensure, because like you said, Tom, this is, besides the fact that he could be, honestly, and I, I truly mean this, and I don't think it's an exaggeration to say it, there's Ballon d'Or winner potential in that player. But let's remove that to the side. This is a human being, first and foremost, and a young human being at that. He's just had a friend of his commit suicide, which he dedicated his latest goal to in the Champions League. And I just think the English press, and I understand there's a need to sell papers, but they have a responsibility to look after the welfare of every human being that they write about, particularly young men who are trying to make a stamp in the game. So for Christ's sake, I really hope it ends because as a human being and as a football player, he will not fulfill his potential and in fact, it could get worse if he's not given room to just breathe and be a human being. I think that's definitely... This is the case for everyone, but especially that young Manchester United player who's breaking onto the scene. They suddenly go from playing in front of you know mum and dad on the training ground and sort of maybe 50 people at an under-18s or reserve team game, suddenly to he, overnight he's come into the first team and is a superstar. And I'm sure his wages just went through the roof compared to what he was on. Um, so his life dramatically changed and God, I, I wouldn't be able to cope with that now if my life changed that way, let alone when that changes, it happens when you're 18 years old. So yeah, in terms of that responsibility the media has, you're completely right because well, we have to do, look. you look at his, his, unfortunately his friend obviously suffered a, a lot and I'm not sure what with, but he assumes some type of mental 
illness and struggle with mental health and sadly took his own life. And I'm not saying Mason Greenwood is going to do that, but the situation is we just thought that Mason Greenwood is a almost a character on FIFA, it's just a video game play, which everything is expected, perfection is expected the whole time. Well, yeah, could you, can you cast your mind back to when you were 18 or 19 and the struggles you had and if that was played out in the world's media and just sort of everyone targeted and say, you should do this, you should do that? Mate, if there were cameras recording me at 18 years of age, you'd think I'm a laughing stock. I mean, what was that? what were we doing at 18? Probably drinking, going into nightclubs and passing out at 3am with a kebab in our hand. Like, that's the thing. And when you get, when you become a millionaire overnight, it's not easy. It's, and that's why so many of these young football players fall down the waistline, you know, because they get given too much too soon. And that's why it's really important that the club are putting a good support network around him. And look, this could be a deeper issue. You know, maybe it's something that the FA need to look at and have some regulations around how much players are able to earn by a certain age or you need to make a certain amount of appearances before you can uh, earn a certain amount of money to create that entitlement back into the game. We've heard Rio Ferdinand speak on this point um, quite strongly in the past. But nonetheless, it is the way it is. And I feel because of that... There needs to be some sort of education system, but at the club and just ensuring, like I said, that he, there is a so- good support network around young players because with that scrutiny, unfortunately, because the media are just savages, you, you just need to make sure that they are supported and they have the platform to make sure that they do fulfill their potential, but above all else, just maintain some good mental health. Well, we're just going to move on now and we're going to move on to sort of a similar topic or a follow-on topic there and... Following on from Mason Greenwood, we're not accusing Mason Greenwood of any sort of wrongdoing off the field. However, there is almost a case, while I think a lot of these reports are extremely fabricated, there is also the old saying, where there's smoke, there's fire. So Mason Greenwood potentially has made a couple of mistakes. He obviously made the mistake on England duty. So he definitely does need to learn. But like any any young player has to learn. We look at Ryan Giggs, who we're going to discuss in a little bit. You look at the mistakes he was making then, and unfortunately still making now. If you read, if you look at the headlines, so yeah, we're going to move on to sort of the players' responsibility, a footballer's responsibility when they're representing United. Now, this is the case for all clubs and all sort of celebrities in general. But we're going to look at it from a Man United point of view because. We look at Maguire's situation over the summer, and that's obviously still pending. We look at Wan-Bissaka, his legal issues at the moment with his girlfriend or ex-girlfriend, and he's been in court with her over the past week or two. So that's never easy to play. You look at Ryan Giggs and the situation surrounding him at the moment, and you look at you look at any sort of big name over the years who, who have had... Look at George Best, look at Eric Cantona, look at Wayne Rooney, Ryan Giggs, David Beckham, all had these off-field controversies. And we're just going to have a little bit of a discussion now on... So does it matter what a player does off the pitch for Man United for you, or is it solely what happens on the pitch? Look, I'm a grown man, so I couldn't, I really couldn't care what they do. But in saying that, I do feel rightly or wrongly, when you're given that platform and you're earning that amount of money, there has to be a sacrifice that comes with that. And you are a role model, whether you like it or not. There are young kids who look up to these players and aspire to be like them one day. There is a young kid out there somewhere in England who aspires to be the next Harry Maguire, to be the next Marcus Rashford, to be the next Anthony Martial. So unfortunately, when you're given millions of pounds and a platform of playing for one of the biggest clubs in the world, there is sacrifices that come with that. And that means behaving the right way and doing things the right way. Otherwise, your career could end up in tatters. Now, 
there's the moral perspective and the criminal perspective. And the moral perspective is players aren't going to lose their jobs over it. But I think it does create this negative stigma associated with football players. And I think there is a level of responsibility that you have to say, look, you do have to sort of carry yourself a certain way. Now, that doesn't mean don't be a bastard on the football pitch. What we loved about Roy Keane was he was aggressive on the pitch. We didn't love him because we thought he'd go glass someone in the pub. You know what I mean? So I just think that if you are rewarded or lucky enough to get to that level, which me and you would love to do, then you have to accept that certain behaviours and values do need to be upheld. Well, you just mentioned that in terms of behaviours. Does it matter what type of behaviour? If we look at it, if we look at, okay, let's, I'm not accusing Maguire of assault, but if you look at the assault charges in Greece... That's a behavioural issue. But if you look at Ryan Giggs's behaviour sort of off the field in terms of what he went through, we love... Ryan Giggs is my old... I absolutely adore the guy. I love the guy to death. If you actually look at what he's done off the field, he's potentially one of the worst human beings you can come across. But I really don't care. And I, and I look at that and I think I should care. But I honestly don't because he, what the memories he gave me on the pitch. And that's the thing, and I think that's more because we're speaking with adult eyes and an, an adult mind. I just think, if you think of the young kid looking up to these players, it, you know, look, Tom, this could, it's it's just one of those things that's subjective. It goes person to person. I just think that when you are given so much that so many people would kill for, that you do have a responsibility to carry yourself the right way. And we've seen Solskjaer talk about it. He's like, we just, we want the right people at the club. And there's a strong focus on getting not just the right talent, but players who have good values, who think about their families and their friends. Like we, like, like we say, we don't care. But unfortunately, there is a bigger perspective. If you look at what's happening in the media now with Raheem Staling or even Kyle Walker, what happened during COVID and his shenanigans, there is going to be a level of scrutiny that comes with it. So I think, rightly or wrongly, it should matter what you do. Well, you, you just say that, and we'll discuss sort of the negative aspect of the, their responsibility, and we'll just touch on sort of Marcus Rashford's work at the moment, which is obviously the, on the opposite scale of things. He's, he can't put a foot wrong. He's fantastic off the field, and gladly sort of he's performing on it at the moment as well, which is sort of an, 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 sort of an added bonus. But do you think more players should take the root of Marcus Rashford. I'm not saying solve child food poverty, but they all have a responsibility to do more, to do what Marcus Rashford's doing, or do you just think Marcus Rashford is ahead of the game and it's just a credit to himself or other players sort of lacking behind Rashford at the moment? Oh, look, Rashford's definitely setting the standard. I, I don't know if... And if you think about it, what he's done is just putting his own time into creating a more positive impact, using his platform to do good. It's not even being asked to give charitable, you know, ch um, charitable donations from his own pocket. All he's done is raise awareness yeah. loudly, used his social media platforms to do good. And you know, and like you as a football fan, like you, you're just saying you adore, you adore Ryan Giggs as a, as a young man, watching him come up because you, you just watched him play football your whole life. There has to be that also that element of pride for Marcus Rashford who... Regardless of how he performs on the pitch, I'm so proud that he's a Manchester United player because he's carrying himself like a true gentleman. And it's someone where if you had a young child and they said, I want to be like Marcus Rashford, you're like, yeah, you know what? That's a wonderful role model. And players don't have to do what Marcus Rashford is doing to that extent, but he's definitely setting an example to say, we have such an opportunity that we could literally change 
the world or make such a positive impact in our communities. So why not use our platform to do that? We've got the money, the resources, the platform to make some genuine differences. So I'd love to see players take a lead like that, but all they really have to do is just follow his behavior, if not anything else. Yeah, no, 100% agree. And just speaking of Rashford, the um, Man United Supporters Club here we've mentioned before, and we'll keep plugging it over the next week or two, um, are playing a match against the Man City Supporters Club here in Sydney on the 28th of November. Both Larry and I will be playing. Um, you ready for it? you match fit, do you think? Uh, mate, I- I've got to be honest with you. I've actually put on a couple kilos, but um, I- I've diet has sort of started probably yesterday. Um, I only got a burrito. I actually didn't get fries. So hopefully by the time the game rolls around, I should be about two kilos lighter. And um, I heard your little dig at me uh, on Monday, by the way. Um, I think you'll know what foot I am by the time the game runs around. You really reminded me of that last game, which is a fantastic last game. We smashed the Liverpool supporters club. But you reminded me a little bit, I don't know who, either a Brandon Williams playing at left back or a Dennis Irwin. I leaned maybe towards more Brandon Williams. I don't want to disrespect Dennis Irwin. But yeah, I was, you were on the left-hand side, but I didn't know what, what you are doing, whether you are curling the ball with your right foot or whipping it around with your left foot. Oh, mate, look, I just, I'm, I'm just I'm versatile. I can use both <laughs> feet. Just If the pressure's coming on the left, I can pass on the right. Is that a criticism? I think that makes me a very talented footballer. Yeah, no, well, everyone can come down and be the judge of it themselves. But um, yeah, we are raising money um, for the Manchester Food Bank, so even if you can't attend, there is a GoFundMe page. Um, just look on the podcast social media pages and you'll see where to donate. Even if you can only put five, ten bucks, that's five or ten bucks, which will help a child in need with um, a much needed meal over the Christmas period. Now, to finish the podcast, we'll just go on a little bit of football matters. We haven't touched on the football yet, but um, two potential um, January loans. And again, this is the international break. There has to be a story. There has to be rumours about a potential move. So who knows if there is much in this or not. But we'll touch on a few January loans and the first one being Dean Henderson. Yeah, mate, I think he's got to go, uh, to be honest. And you can say De Gea's performances, and I've said it all along. I'm actually happy he's been at the club. I think it's really made De Gea up his game. But Henderson is at a crucial stage in his career. I think he's 24 years of age. He needs to be playing regular football. He can't afford to be sitting on United's bench when you're that talented. He, there's a Premier League club out there who would more than be more than happy to take Dean Henderson. So I'd love to see him for this back half of the season just get out there and get some well-needed minutes under his belt. Yeah, look, the, I agree, but the situation so far has worked. I just say it's worked in the sole case of David De Gea has performed well. But it just came back to my, not a fear, but my concern at the start of the season, it just wouldn't work in terms of keeping them both happy. I just don't think there is a scenario there because Dean Henderson has done nothing wrong, but he needs game time and he's not going to develop in the way we hope to be De Gea's replacement in four or five years if he's not playing regular football at the moment. So while I think he has done well and it's good to see him back at United, it's good to see him challenging David De Gea, I think it is very important that he does unfortunately leave. And who knows? Look, De Gea is still young. Um, De Gea could be our keeper for the next six, seven years and Dean Henderson's future, unfortunately, might be away from Old Trafford. But um, definitely more Henderson and De Gea podcast um, in the future. But we'll look on to someone. This is an interesting one. Um, Dan James. I'm not sure who the rumours have been sort of spouted about in terms of what club he'll go to, but it's a weird one. Solskjaer likes him, and I think rightly so for the job he does. It's now the quality and ability on the ball leaves a lot to be desired for us fans, but I think he gives a lot to Solskjaer. We discussed in the last podcast the importance of 
Solskjaer trust in people in terms of like the likes of McTominay and Fred. And I think Dan James, from a defensive standpoint, is someone he definitely trusts. So it's a bit of a weird one if you think, could Solskjaer actually maybe move him on? Or do you think Solskjaer will be keen to keep him around? Because you have to think we've got Traore coming in in January as well. That's the thing. I, It's a hard one. I personally wouldn't let him go. I just don't think we have the enough depth. Just pure bodies. I just I don't see enough quality or numbers in terms of what we have on the wings. So if, if you think uh, an injury to Rashford... Who goes there? Maybe a Martial, but even then you got you got um um I'm having the biggest um Egalo Egalo is going to be leaving the club in January, so that leaves Martial and Cavani. That means you don't have a lot through the middle. So if Rashford goes down, you might have Martial, but after that, there's not a lot. So I think you need to keep Dan James. I know we've got Traore coming in. I think he's a talented footballer, but he's going to need time to settle. He's not really proven. So. I mean, we thought, look at Palestri, he, he's, barely, he's not coming close to the first team consideration. So I think it'd be crazy to see him go unless we do manage to get someone in, which I don't think will happen. Yeah, no, it will definitely be interesting. Again, this is the start of the transfer window, so I'm not sure how much weight these rumours have. But if the two players are to leave in January, they're probably top of the list in terms of loan deals. But I think that just about wraps up this week's podcast. Um, we did our best to bring you some type of some type of chat in regards to obviously there's no in, there's no football at the moment. I don't class international football as football. I think a lot of our listeners are in the same boat. But speaking of non-football, on Sunday in Alexandria at the shop, all Sydney siders will know ultra football out in Alexandria. There is a FIFA tournament. Um, two of the Man United New South Wales members are playing against Chelsea players and against Liverpool players. I think Arsenal and Man City might be there as well. Um, I personally won't be playing, but I'm definitely going down to watch. And um, it's a very good shop down there at Ultra Football. I'm sure a lot of the listeners have been there. But it is on Sunday at, I think, around 2 or 3 o'clock. Just stay on top of our social media pages, you'll see. But if anyone wants to come down, it is on a Sunday afternoon. So we'll be able to find somewhere to have a drink around the corner, maybe. I know Larry used to, or do, slash, used to work there, so uh, in and around that area. So I'm sure you can recommend one or two pubs. Oh, absolutely. Rock's Brewery is fantastic. If you fancy some chicken wings or salt and pepper squid or anything like that, Rock's Brewery will take care of you. And the key word there being brewery. If you fancy a cold one, I definitely recommend that. So if you do want to join us for a cold one on Sunday and have a chat about the latest, whatever the latest is, with United on Sunday, um, you're more than welcome to come and have a chat on the podcast. And will be good because we do need to do our best as Man United fans to get this international break over and done as quick as possible. At the, no, at the moment, no one's been injured for United, I don't think. Touch wood. But, um, yeah, so hopefully you enjoyed this podcast. A little bit different, but I think some interesting discussion there. I enjoyed it, Larry. Yeah, mate. Pleasure as always, and I'll chat to you Sunday. Always. And make sure you're subscribed on all your podcast apps as usual and all the social media posts. Please just do the basic like, share. It really does go a long way to helping the podcast grow, but we truly appreciate all the support lately. So hopefully see a few of you on Sunday. Get in touch if you want to join us, and we'll chat to you on Sunday or Monday. Cheers. Cheers.